Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 67, the show where we find out that Stargate has absolutely zero clue <laughs> what the difference is between Russian and Ukrainian. <laughs> well, listen, Daniel was on vacation <laughs> from illness. You know he what? Couldn't... That actually, I hadn't even th- that that I like that. <laughs> I do like that. <laughs> Daniel was in the opposite end of the uh, the set, so they couldn't figure out. <laughs> Never mind that Michael Shanks is not the guy you'd go you go to for proper pronunciation of anything. <laughs> anything, yeah. Now the reason I make that joke is this episode is incredibly trivia heavy. But one of my, I, I like how I almost said one of my favorite bits of trivia for this, as if all of them aren't my favorite. But one of them that's really great is that one of the Russian submariners is actually speaking in Ukrainian. <laughs> The two people in that scene are speaking two different languages. But yeah, it was supposed to be an in-joke from the writers of the episode where when we start talking about the episode, I'll actually get into what the joke is. But they were obviously so focused on that that they couldn't (laughs) run it by somebody (laughs) just to make sure they were actually speaking the the same language. Here's the thing. If the dialogue itself is a joke... Who's to say making them speak two different languages wasn't also a joke? I mean, it might have been. I, I'm, I'm not Cause as inclined to believe that. Because how do you actually mess that up? Because you have to look it up to translate it in the first place. And how would you accidentally translate one into Russian and the other into Ukrainian? I feel like it had to have been on purpose. I feel like it wasn't just because... So Russia and Ukraine, to this day, have a pretty complicated and uh, conjoined history. And their languages are absurdly similar. So here's the thing. The only way I would see this actually working is if two different people went off to translate each person's dialogue. I, I feel like it was honestly probably something like that, or they found somebody... If it was somebody... the same person, it doesn't make any sense that he would just accidentally only get Ukrainian for one person and accidentally only get Russian for the other person. The only way this works as not an in-joke is if it was two different people running off to get the translation. It could be that. I, I would honestly, if I had to believe mistake versus purpose, I would have to say, you know, that. Because I definitely don't think it was on purpose just because, and this is no, you know, super criticism to the props department or whatever, but they fucked up hard in this episode. Pretty much all of the Russian writing, all that Cyrillic is all wrong. And apparently they left little red set dots, the little markers, like, here, stand here, point here. Apparently there's a million of those dots to be seen throughout the episode. I kept looking for them, but the thing is, this episode was also really fucking good, and I kept getting distracted by the content right. and not looking for the fucking red dots. So that so one's yeah, kind of, I'm I don't know. I'm actually going to use that as a nice little um, transition. Uh, transition to the fact that this episode was honestly, season four, episode one, Small Victories, was honestly, uh, like... A tour de force for Robert C. Cooper and Martin Wood. They're still proving why they're some of the most dependable people on this show. You see their names attached to an episode and you know it's going to be good. Great directing, great writing, just all, all across the board. Honestly, yeah, pretty much the only things that I was laughing at were things that were either entirely out of their control or set stuff which i'm still gonna mock that one a little bit especially for the red set markers it reminds me of a hitchhiker's guide but (laughs) the scene where he's walking forward you can see him clearly looking down at where he's supposed to stand he points his finger down on it too that's the best part but because it's forward you're like yeah it makes sense that he do that right Right. (laughs) 
Yeah, so that kind of stuff I will definitely make fun of. Um, but the only other one I really was laughing at was more of like, <laughs> it was a combination of what the episode was giving me and also how the trivia chose to present it, which was, this episode takes place about a week after the events of the previous episode. About it, they literally say yeah. a week later. Here's what kills me. The rest of the trivia goes, this accounts for the hair growth on the team. And I'm like, how fast does your hair grow, motherfucker? Maybe the planet they were on um, had a different rotation. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, because the episode features a change in character look for a couple of the characters. Teal'c now sports a goatee. No shit. <laughs> and Major Samantha Carter's hair is longer than it has been in previous seasons. And it's like, yeah, yeah, because it's been a hiatus, not because a week has passed. It would have been better to leave that alone as a concept. <laughs> I just love how people always try to, like, talk around continuity yeah. <laughs> this hiatus continuity is exactly what it is like i used to love the show coupling and my favorite is uh i forgot which season changes i think it's like two to three but jack davenport ends the um episode like on a cliffhanger with him outside the door with the, in, outside the door that's it on this on the yeah. stoop the episode after that picks up exactly from that moment onwards except his hair is like four inches shorter <laughs> he literally gets a complete haircut mid-scene i love that shit I actually, I, for some reason, that shit I look forward to seeing. Never, I'll never understand why. But mm -hmm. I just love when people try to talk around it. Like, no, no, it's <laughs> totally normal. It's been a week. Yeah, it's like, been a week. Hair doesn't grow that fast. <laughs> like, yeah, he'd have a, like, maybe Jack would have a bit of a beard. And maybe her hair would be like a centimeter longer. Not <laughs> this much longer. We've officially reached what I call the ice pixie haircut, even though it's not her shortest hair. I still don't know why I call it that, but it's her ice pixie hair. <laughs> uh... But yeah, so I'm Mel. And I'm this, and apparently obsessed with hair. Yeah, apparently. But yeah, so this episode, as we already talked about, starts on a Russian submarine. Well, actually, to be fair, it starts with a recap narrated by Christopher Judge, because it's a two-parter. It's right. the follow-up of the end of season three, and we have Christopher Judge doing those now. So they give us the recap of of uh the end of season three and then we open on a russian sub with apparently um, one russian submariner and one ukrainian one he's on he's on exchange program <laughs> why not <laughs> here's my favorite part so they're in the submarine and they hear mysterious clicking noises from what looks like a missile tube and i watched the episode a million times before now and i apparently have never really once paid attention to the fact that there were no subtitles for the russian so when i was watching it this time i was like okay seriously what the fuck what why hulu why not give me subtitles i deserve subtitles <laughs> so i thought maybe it was one of those things where sometimes when you have um subtitles on ones that were already embedded in the episode will get uh -huh. overwritten so i thought maybe that was going really on. poorly designed yes it is it is a thing yeah but so i thought that was going on annoying but sure i can get around it so i turned off my Dang subtitles it. and then it still didn't fix the problem so i was like well that's rude fine went to the trivia because i wanted to go find the transcript to find out what they were saying didn't need to because my favorite note <laughs> is that they purposely as an end joke the writers didn't leave subtitles on there because they wanted to just leave it alone because what the guy says is hmm what's that sound and the other guy goes i don't know might be one of the bugs from last episode <laughs> oh, that's so good. Favorite thing I've ever but learned. But you know what? Despite that being what they're actually saying, I didn't mind that there's no subtitles here because between their, like, body language and, like, the things they're interacting with, you get exactly what they're saying the entire- what they're supposed to be saying the yes, whole time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, what's that sound? Oh, well, like, because the- because- the, 
what actually happens is we hear an alert in the sub and we see one of these little um, tubes uh, start to fill with water. Which I guess is like an indication that there was a small seal break or something. Yeah, so in like previous movies I've seen, don't ask me why no one seems to question these events, but I do remember at least one movie, might have been like a James Bond movie or something, but this kind of thing happened where the thing filled up and it was because a person was in there. (laughs) (laughs) It was probably James Bond then. Uh, Yeah, it was something along those lines. They see that and then... Two, uh, a, a Russian and a Ukrainian <laughs> officer come down, and one of them, one of them thinks he's in Hunt for Red October. He is giving it his all, and I love him for it. Oh, was that Russian Andy Samberg? Yes. Like, his, his first appearance on the screen, he, like, throws himself in front of the camera. Did you see that? Like, he thought he was Daniel Jackson. He was like, I am the star of this show. <laughs> Right. Although I have to have to admit, his uh, his antics did make me uh, text you. At what point do we start blaming the victims in horror? <laughs> because this, this is just like when people go down into the dark basement. It's like, okay, first off, you were under how many fathoms of water and pressure? Yeah. There's a mysterious the sound. The other guy to open the yeah. the uh, the s- missile silo. <laughs> yeah. So it's like nothing about this could just have like, been it's a fine, good it's nothing, thing. and is ready to just tighten it some more. And he's like, no, no, no I heard something in there. <laughs> right? Okay. So it's like okay. Best case scenario, it's James Bond. In which case, you should probably be worried. Other worst case scenario, it's like a Marvel it's an superhero alien monster, <laughs> in which you still should be pretty damn worried. <laughs> or option number three. Let's not be worried for some reason about this mysterious circumstance and just open up the missile tube. Like, I, I understand they probably didn't think there could be a monster in there, but at the same time, what did they think could be in there? And why did they think it would be benevolent? I thought it was going to be a surprise party. Well, it was in fact a surprise. Uh, the surprise was. was that you get your face melted. Yeah, so this is actually the first time we see um, a replicator, like, directly Harm actually somebody. attacking a human. We, we saw them, like, charging SG-1 in the last episode, but none of them ever got close enough to do anything. And um, it's keeping up the alien theme, because it literally jumps on this man's face and sprays his face with something that, like, kills him. I'm guessing it's acid. Just Some because, sort of like, accent, they were I'm breaking sure. down the metal and shit in the ship, the Beliskner. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just assuming they're all equipped with some sort of... Some sort of corrosive. Yeah, like, yeah, some sort of corrosive. Yeah. And I would assume if it melts metal, that it would probably be able to melt flesh. I know there's actually tons of substances that don't do that, that exact kind of thing. Yeah. But I would assume that the very much not benevolent... Benevolent. <laughs> benevolent. <laughs> they're very much not benevolent replicators. They're probably not carrying around substances that only harm metal. Yeah. I, I don't think that'd be as logical for them. No, no, no. But yeah, so we get that little horror movie monster opening. Uh, and then we get the, you know, the, the, the credits. And then we come in and we're at SGC and they're talking about how it's taken a while to get the gate set up. Well, Daniel's getting a checkup from Janet, and she's talking about how it's taken a week to get the new gate set up. And she's like, yeah, it probably would have been faster if Sam was here, huh? And Daniel's response is, it's ironic that she's not here to save herself. And I'm like, come on, Daniel, leave her alone. (laughs) 
I know you're mad they went on an adventure without you, but you don't have to attack Janet for it. <laughs> I did like how he was kind of like being peevy at the wife. Like, yeah, maybe if your wife hadn't left for so long, this wouldn't have been such a fucking problem. <laughs> and her face kind of does seem to kind of indicate, dude, really? Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as the alarm, she like just finishes giving the checkup, like, okay, you're you're healing well. You're lucky there was no side effects or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Just, you know, continue to go easy on yourself. And right after she says that, an alert goes to the base that there's someone dialing in. And he just darts away <laughs> and literally shoves himself through between two people, one of whom was Siler. And it's so funny because he goes, excuse me, sorry. And then, like, there's a beat and he goes, ow. <laughs> Here's the thing. I love it for the comedic aspect, but I also just love how that first shot it starts a trend for the rest of the episode of just... I know they're not epic length tracking shots, but they're still good yeah. long shots where it follows him through that whole hallway all the way into the elevator. There's a few more instances of that throughout the episode, like when the, uh, I don't know, I almost called them MPs. I don't think they're MPs. Just the regular soldier battalion yeah. they have, you know, yeah. on base when they're rushing through to the gate room to get ready for shit. There's a lot of shots like that that are all long. Yeah, it's, it was really cool having... That initial shot just immediately set up the stage for that, for the rest of the episode. Yeah. That was really great. I noticed that, like, because Martin Wood started out a good director, but I think sticking with this show and maybe getting paired up with a good writer right, like Robert C. Cooper has just given him the opportunity to just get better. <laughs> oh, here it is. Okay, I found it. It says goof right here. The two members of the Russian submarine at the beginning of the episode speak Ukrainian and Russian. Uh, they are not close enough for most speakers to easily understand each other without prior familiarity with the other language. A reasonable equivalent of their closeness might be Italian and Spanish or Czech and Polish. Even if a native speaker of Ukrainian, for whatever reason, could be a descent from Russia uh, near the border of Ukraine or mixed Russian-Ukrainian parentage, either way, for whatever reason they were serving in the Russian military, they would be required to speak Russian. So I guess yeah, that's the good. <laughs> so here's the great thing, though, about this. I just looked up both the actors uh, because yeah. their names actually are... Russian sounding, or yeah. I should say, not Russian sounding, Ukrainian sounding, because they're <laughs> both Ukrainian. I have no idea why one was speaking Russian and the other one's speaking Ukrainian. One of them's literally from Ukraine. Do you think one of them was pulling a joke on Stargate? They must have been. I, I don't, I cannot <laughs> think of anything if they're else. Ukrainian, I feel like they were asked to translate it themselves, which makes me think it was on purpose and one of them was playing a fucking joke. So their names are Yuri. Oh, sorry, Yurij, Yurij Kiss, and oh, Dmitry Chepovetsky. Oh, yeah. They so, were playing a joke on Stargate. They had to be. But, so Yurij Kiss, I'm probably butchering these names. Probably. So sorry to anybody listening. I apologize. I don't mean to be rude. I'm just ignorant. We've never taken Russian or Ukrainian. Right? <laughs> so he played the character Yuri. Of course he did. Right? His nationality, according to the thing, just says Ukrainian slash Canadian, which to me means that he's of Ukrainian descent, but his family probably lived in Canada when he yeah, was yeah, born. Yeah. However, the other dude, Dmitry Chepotvetsky, sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to just end <laughs> that with sorry. Um, <laughs> was born in Lvov, Ukraine, USSR. So they were yeah, playing a joke. This had they to be a joke. They were playing a joke on... A Stargate. <laughs> yeah, they were like, no, fuck you. It's supposed to be a Russian, you know, Hunt for Red October type thing. Fuck you. You hired two Ukrainians. We're not the same thing. <laughs> it makes sense yeah, because I'm Irish and purpose. every time somebody calls it me Scottish, work. I want to strangle them. <laughs> Irish and Scottish don't even sound similar. To be fair, like, I don't, I don't, I haven't, I haven't studied Russian or Ukrainian, but it did kind of sound like they were speaking 
like I wouldn't have gone so far as to say like they were speaking totally different languages because I don't know the languages well enough to say that. But I could definitely see where they weren't speaking the same language. I I I understand that as soon as you say it, it's like yeah, I, I buy it. <laughs> but yeah, if they're if they're both Ukrainian, they did this on purpose. <laughs> but yeah, so so back to back to the show <laughs> where we are now. Uh, Daniel shoves his boy between people, hurts himself a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, he clearly misses his husband. <laughs> I'm in love with the, uh, with the shot, and I'm also in love with the fact that as he's doing his whole, you know, thing, his profile comes into shot a few times, and all I can think is, dear god, the cyburns are coming for us. Oh, no. <laughs> They're coming. It's a good thing he's gonna die, because when he dies, they go away. It's a good thing he's gonna die in two seasons, because dear God, the sideburns. Just want that on record, <laughs> that is something we have said. Uh, but yeah, so, SG-1 come back, Teal has a soul patch, and Daniel thinks it's like gunk on his face he needs to clean up. He's like, uh, you've got a little something, and he starts to reach for it, and Jack, like, pats his hand away and, like, don't touch. <laughs> Which makes me think Jack tried to do the same thing and Teal'c had a bad reaction. <laughs> you just know that the entire time that Teal'c was growing that, Jack kept fiddling with it. You know that you know that every time Teal'c fell asleep, he woke up to the tickling sensation of Jack going, <laughs> poke, poke. <laughs> It's bristly like a brush. I just I'm love bored. that Daniel thought he had, like, dirt on his face. <laughs> I just love that it's blonde. It's what? what? Where did he find hair dye on this alien planet? <laughs> no, that just tells me that the Jaffa grow black hair and blonde facial hair. Don't ask me why, oh, don't sure, ask yeah. me how, but I'm here for it. Yeah, 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 let's go with that. So yeah, everyone, like, splits off to do their own thing, you know? Everyone's home safe, blah, 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 blah. Um, and Sam immediately goes to her lab, and she's got, like, two little pieces of replicator that she's stolen, and she's like, I want to look at these, and Jack's like, do you think that's safe? And she's like, you know, it's fine, there's no power coming off of them, it's totally cool. And Jack once again tries to invite her to fish, and she's like, no. <laughs> you have completely overlooked the massive squee that is this scene because i love how it opens when he throws himself in front of the magnifier oh his yeah mouth that is, is just I'm like sorry, what I you did doing forget about him doing that it's her smile when she Please sees pay attention that. to me but her reaction oh my god <laughs> that spoke volumes to me because that tells me that during that week they were off planet shit got a little bit more casual because she doesn't Listen, react even remotely the same upgrades. way there we go and that's why i'm so excited this they were obviously <laughs> going for it like this was obviously the season yeah. for it and they weren't hiding the it anymore this is also the season with the time loop in it exactly with my favorite scene yeah. <laughs> ever this was the season they were going for it and i love that they're setting it up way in advance and not just because of what like this episode they've been setting it up now kind of subtly for the last at the very minimum season they've been three setting it up since season two yeah but the very minimum season three definitely yeah, was starting yeah. to like up, you know, step it up just a little bit with a little more overt, like actual, like heavy glances and uh, yeah, yeah. was that an invitation kind of thing. And so I'm just really, really, really excited for what's coming. And it all began with just the fucking squee <laughs> at their entire yeah. interaction because it's literally the cutest conversation they have ever had. He has never had any trouble flirting with Daniel. But no, he has he's always held it back with flirting with Sam. 
Well, because it's safe to flirt with Daniel because it's not against the rules. Well, it is. Oh, yeah, I guess he is technically still under Jack's command. But th- there's a gray area because... Oh, yeah, because the don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, there's a thing. That's the two main things. That was is still don't ask, don't tell then. was That's still true. in the thing. It wasn't, appealed, yeah. it wasn't repealed until Obama. And two, on top of that, Daniel's a civilian, so it's not the same thing. The regulations that uh, forbid Jack and Sam from doing yeah. anything is because they're both in the Air Force and working together. There are Air Force members who are married, but they can't be uh, working together at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that whole scene and... Jack tries once again to get Sam to come out to fish with her, and she's like, no, I, I'm doing what I like. <laughs> I'd like her Thank to come you. out, too, because that means I have a chance. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he starts to leave, and as soon as he leaves, Sam gets a phone call and then runs out after him. And as soon as she calls out to him, you can see in his reaction, he's like, fuck, no fishing. <laughs> but he, like, tries to play it off as a joke first, like, this is deja vu. <laughs> I do love the mirror shot of it. So much so that when he turned around, I was like, that thing you do when even though you know you can't change the camera angle by your own perception, that I was still trying to angle my head to see behind him to see if Major Wood was making another appearance. <laughs> Major Wood, where are you, please? <laughs> but I do like that even the dialogue like calls it out, like oh, yeah. deja vu, blah, blah, blah. Like, they did that on purpose. It was framed all- that way on purpose, all of that. And it's a good writer and a good director working together to make that that play the way it does. There are some good dream teams, and this is one of them. This is definitely my new dream team. Is Martin yeah, Wood Martin and Robert, and Robert C. C. Cooper are great combo. Like, I would also take Peter DeLuise, obviously, with uh, yeah, Robert yeah, C. Yeah. Cooper, but... Honestly, Major Wood is kind of my new favorite solely because of Major Wood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he he's he he knows his vacation's been canceled again. And Paul is coming back over because they got news. And so he basically tells them, Hey, uh, we think one of your bugs survived and got onto a Russian sub. Actually, we don't think, we know, because we got a picture of one. It killed everyone on the sub, and we managed to grab the sub without, like, letting the Russians know for real. Like, they're suspicious, but we, like, <laughs> we fobbed them off a little bit. <laughs> See, that right there is, that the majority of my suspension of disbelief has to go right there in that line, <laughs> because, no. Tensions are inflamed when a fucking paddle boat goes over the line. Right. You think the U.S. is hiding information and now might have kidnapped one of your subs? That's practically a declaration of war. Well, here's the thing. Um, They do kind of... Yeah, there's definitely got to be a little bit of a suspension of disbelief with, like, how quickly Russia reacts to it and all that stuff. But they do actually, like, set up for this kind of stuff because we know Russia's gonna get involved with the Stargate program. And this is the episode where it's it's getting set up. Like, because Paul basically says, like, because they're like, we just need to blow up the sub. And Paul's like, that's not really an option. They saw the Asgard ship come down and they're already asking questions. And now their submarine goes missing? If we blow it up, they're really gonna want answers from us. What and kills so, like, me is they say that, and then that's what they do. Yeah, well, they have to. <laughs> I know, I just love it when it's, I don't care if it's a movie or a TV show, anytime the thing is opening the premise with, we can't do this, and then ends with doing it, have I, do I it end up anyway, laughing my yeah. ass off every time. Right, yeah. But I, I think it's honestly, yeah, there's definitely a bit of suspension of disbelief with, like, uh, the reservation that Russia is showing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... 
it's still a really good all of these things coming together because we know Russia, we personally yes. know that Russia's going to get involved in the Stargate program because we also know that they grabbed the other gate. Yeah. <laughs> are going are to, going to yeah, go gate. find the wreckage was yeah. left of the Blizzard. So like, it's honestly a really good setup for stuff that's coming up in the future. Yeah, no, I'm not disagreeing with any of that, and I even appreciate yeah. how they did it relatively subtly with just a lot of these little gemstones kind of sprinkled in the beginning. It's yeah. really mostly just the fact that they completely gloss over government nation yeah, no. stresses. Like the UN Absolutely, isn't a thing yeah. for a reason. Like no, Russia no. and the US <laughs> haven't been testy allies at best several yeah. <laughs> times. You know, and they're just like, eh, it's fine. They know them but they know when their subs is missing. They know we're lying to them about something, but that's fine. They don't care. Liz, you know why they get away with it? Because this sub was the one they were doing the, um, they were testing out the Ukrainian, uh, exchange program on, so they knew there was a risk. <laughs> Throw some Belarusians <laughs> on there for fun, make it, make it a trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, like, that oh, it was probably good. just the Ukraine on the sub who did it. <laughs> it's not exactly like Russia has ever given a single flying fuck about the well-being of Ukraine. So. No, no, no. Not even the parts they've annexed. So, you know, this would track. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so um, so that's why they're like, no, we can't do that. And Paul's like, well, you know, I was, I was hoping you guys had, like, alien tech that could help with this. And Teal's like, gold tech doesn't work on this. And Jack's like, no, uh, but we did find shooting them with, with uh, guns. <laughs> really strong guns helps. <laughs> Like, the heavy-duty ones. Yeah, I do love Teal going, uh, you know, the gold technology will not work on this. Although we have found success with the human projectile weaponry, to which I forgot who exactly is the one looking confused. I know that no matter what, it doesn't make sense. Paul. Yeah, which doesn't make sense. It's like, dude, you're in the military. You know what the definition of a gun is. I would say it's just because he's never heard it said in alien terms. Honestly, it's not even that alien of terms. It's a textbook definition. It's, I don't know, man. It's a projectile weapon. But here, okay, here's the thing. I think he was assuming it was still going to be some sort of alien tech that Teal was talking yeah, about. I guess. I just, I do, I do like the joke of it where he says that yeah. Paul gets confused and then Jack just does his usual Jack thing where he goes, Big guns. <laughs> yeah. So then they basically decide that they're going to have to send a strike team down into the sub with like the heavy duty guns to take care of it that way. And it's going to be like, obviously Jack and Teal are going to go and lead a team. But meanwhile, while they're deciding this, they get another dial through in the gate, and they're like, we don't have anyone scheduled to come through. They're about to do the whole rigmar rigmarole of closing the iris, blah, 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 but the iris won't close, and then all their power goes out, too. <laughs> and they're like, uh... Okay, so here's the thing. It's not that I'm mad at the Asgard, it's just that it's there has to be sir. a better way of doing right? this. Like, do you really need to render the base that you're entering completely helpless? Like, is this I really think, necessary? All I can think... Okay, there's two answers to this. One, they are a higher, quote-unquote, higher species, so there's a lot of dismissiveness for our our race and our technology and we actually see that in this episode. Like, we find out he comes to Earth for someone stupid to help. <laughs> That's literally, he's like, yeah, we need someone who's not as smart as us to figure out how to solve this. We're literally too sophisticated to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that side of things. And then there also is the idea that, like, we find out from Thor they are wildly on a back leg right now. Like, he is the only one 
who's not in the middle of a fight <laughs> and he only just got healed so like maybe the stuff they have access to is limited and that's all he could do to get through i mean yeah i kind of figured that it was a um more like an incursion thing like they tend to prefer to fly by ship and you know according to him even the reason why i've gone through yeah. the stargate versus the ship you know like that and they clearly shown to have a comfort level for their own tech yeah, versus yeah, yeah. the ancients my thought was that there literally isn't a better way of doing it because they never they've never bothered to make one past the yeah. original thing which was back when they had first made contact whenever they needed to get in the ancients tech was too sophisticated so they kind of had to do like a pre-emp in order to be able to get in <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah. And then nothing ever changed because after that they had, you know, their own versions of garage door openers and shit like that. I think all of that works, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's it's Thor. And uh, he's basically down here to be like, hey, we're in a really tight spot. And we need your help with the replicators. As he's like talking about this, we hear like, we go to, we cut to Walter as he reports that, like, they get the, their power back and everything. And it's so funny, his face, when he reports that they get access and power back, because you can tell he's so sick of this shit. Honestly, I got the same kind of tone, like, he's like, I just want one normal day. <laughs> but yeah, so, so Thor's saying, like, we need your help because, like, all of the things we have done, tried, didn't work. And we can only think in, like, our elevated levels, blah, blah, blah. But you guys came in and did help with my ship. You you solved that problem. And Jack's, Jack, like, boils it down to, you're saying you need someone dumber than you, uh, you're saying you need someone dumber than you are? <laughs> and then he just, like, looks around and he goes, you may have come to the right place. <laughs> what kills me is the um, episode does kind of overlook what it really is, which is you need the ability to uh, improvise. To think outside the box, yeah. Yeah, because they don't improvise. They they make plans, and then they completely follow the plans. They don't... Uh, that's like one of the texts I sent to you, which was, introducing the Asgard to the concept of flying by the seat of your pants is endlessly amusing to watch. Because that's the majority of that. They, they think it's dumb to disregard a plan, whereas... Yeah. We don't just have a different level of intelligence to them, like, you know, in this case, inferior. We have the adaptability. But we have the adaptability that they have lost. And yeah. I can only say this because I'm cheating. I know what's wrong with the Asgard already, um, which is that they're all clones at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes it hard to do the adaptability. <laughs> they've been around for literally so long that they've lost the ability to naturally procreate. They have uh -huh. literally lost the ability to evolve in that capacity. So yeah, adaptability literally went out the window for them. They hit the same stagnancy I, i'm guessing that the ancients did and then the ancients Except went the ancients decided and ascended. to just ascend instead yeah the uh, asgard have a different approach yeah <laughs> the asgard were like you know we'd like to still be around in case people need help <laughs> or we could just you know jonestown this bitch <laughs> but yeah um so sam immediately volunteers herself to go off with thor and help because of course she does of course she does and i love that jack's first response is i don't know carter you might not be dumb enough <laughs> Fucking squee. <laughs> it's because when he's watching her leave, too, you can see how visibly uncomfortable he is. Not just because a bunch yeah, of team members is going off alone. Yeah, yeah, that's that's always going to be uncomfortable for a leader, especially one like him who gives a fuck. But there's that other aspect of like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I had her all again. safe and to myself right. for a week. We get home. We're supposed to go on vacation. This is supposed to be calm and happy. And now <laughs> she's literally going off to the planet where the replicators are trying to attack and wipe out. Right, yeah, And exactly. she's going alone. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that as she walks up the ramp with Thor, she looks down at him at one point and starts walking slower 
to match his pace. That's terrific. I love the aspect of Sam having that compassionate kind of thing where it's like, there's, you know, let's 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 walk at the same pace here That's as our so friends. Good. No, it's wonderful. Fun fact, this is where I'm loving all this trivia. In a DVD interview, which means we really need to get back to watching your DVDs again and start watching those behind the scenes thing because I need to see this We're gonna clip. We're going to have to do like a weekend where we yeah. just watch all this shit. So here's the thing. Amanda Tapping said during that DVD interview that while filming her scenes with Thor, the puppet's arm touched her bottom. She slapped it and then apologized to Thor before realizing she was talking to a puppet. First of all, good for her right? for having that instinct to just do Somebody touches her ass on set and her first instinct is to not let that shit slide. I am and then in she love realized, with her. And then she was like, oh no, it's Thor. I'm sorry, Thor. And not, wait, it's a fucking puppet. <laughs> like what I love is that she literally, so first off she slaps them and then apologizes realizing it was an accident and then thinks about why it was an accident. This woman is my favorite person on earth. Oh, Amanda Tapping is great. She's a gem. Love her. So yeah, just you saying that whole slowing down thing reminded me of that. I was just like, oh, I God, just thought it was so precious because she makes a point of looking down at him and then walking slower. Like, oh, right. Longer legs. <laughs> I like looking. I like looking at that picture and going, Jesus Christ! Her legs are like literally four times as long as. <laughs> yes, <laughs> her legs are about as long as he is tall. So she gets taken to. She goes through with him and finds out that they have a warship that they're building that's called the O'Neill. It's, it's not that I'm against them having an appreciation for Jack. I have an appreciation for Jack. Yeah, it's just that the Asgard have been around for so long. That they are officially cloning themselves, yeah. and yet they don't have any number of people that they'd rather name that ship after than this new dude they've known for a year. Well, here's the thing. So I think I think that it's twofold with this. A, I think it's important that his introduction to them, like his personal introduction to them, not SG One right. introduction to them, but his introduction to them, was via the ancient connection. Because he had, like, the ancient information in his brain. So that already, like... The whole database, yeah. Shoves him forward in their esteem. I don't know if esteem's really the right I word. I would say like, esteem, just honestly. They're, they're really, yeah. like, noticing him, you know? he's Like, they've interacted with humans before. They've interacted with SG-1 before. But this guy came through to their planet with the ancient database in him, you know? So I think that was the first thing. But then there's the fact that, like, they... For all that they can't adapt, they are smart enough to know a fighter when they see one. And they know that Jack is dangerous. Like, obviously, they keep coming to Jack for help with fighting things. So I think, I genuinely think, completely unironically, they named the warship they're building after Jack... Because they want it to be as dangerous as him. No, I, I, I agree. I have nothing against that. I'm not even I think upset the about is really like great in it. Yeah. Honestly, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine yeah. with it. I'm down with it. Plus, hell, I mean, literally, like the episode prior to this was him saving them. Yeah, they asked exactly. for his help, and yeah, it was Sam that did it because, of course, it is, and of course, he gets yeah, credit for it because, of course, he did. But <laughs> it's that concept of they asked and they received, you know, and so it's. That whole benediction thing as well, yeah. a little bit. And mm-hmm. it, no, all of it tracks. It all tracks. Yeah. It's just funny yeah, like to me it. that in their entire history, apparently no one has ever equaled or risen above that in terms of, like, military standard or anything. It's like uh-huh. if somebody had, let's say an alien came through t- tomorrow, and our whole species was down with that shit and not freaking out. And that guy's name was Todd. 
<laughs> Todd. And let's say that we were building a new warship for our super enemy, the Martians. And we decided to name it Todd. Instead of like, you know, the Todd. Ulysses S. Grant or somebody That's much else. <laughs> you know, like, there's a lot of generals. Honestly, I would, I would find it funny if we named it like the Washington, considering how George Washington was actually one of the worst freaking generals we had. Like everyone talks about right. him like he was some wonderful general. And it's like, you know, he lost the majority of his battles, right? They try and turn it around and say that he was great at knowing when to retreat. <laughs> yeah, they try yeah. To make it He sound was really good. good at knowing when to retreat. So yeah, what cracks me up about that is it's like if Todd came through tomorrow and we built a new warship and instead of naming it, you know, the... The Sherman or anything. I keep going to friggin' yeah. Civil War <laughs> generals for some reason uh, or revolutionary. But the point I'm getting at here is it would be kind of funny if we named it Todd because it's like, well, there's only millennia of history of, you know, of, of people we can name it after. But sure, sure, let's let's go with Todd. It just feels kind of like that equivalent where you have like, I'm assuming the Asgard are proud of their own history and stuff. And they just yeah. immediately meet a Todd and go, you know, what? that's a good <laughs> ship name. It is a good ship name. <laughs> So yeah, so back on Earth, they're they're gearing up to go into the sub, and I love that there wasn't even a question. They weren't sending Daniel on this mission. <laughs> nope. Ooh, fun fact though about the sub, during yeah. um, the scene, Major Paul Davis states that the U.S. Navy has dispatched the Los Angeles class, which I didn't know that they were classed by city name. I would have thought it'd be like, you know, like ranger class or attacker class or like destroyer class, but nope. Los Angeles class. Sorry, my voice is getting a little thin. <clears throat> um, but the Los Angeles class USS Dallas to torpedo the Russian submarine Blackbird. I like how it says this is a possible, possible reference, considering how it's name for name, but whatever. Possible reference to the Tom Clancy novel and film The Hunt for Red October, in which the Soviet it's sub obviously. Red October is hunted by USS Dallas. Obviously it is. It just it just cracks me up. Just it's like it's possible reference. It's possible reference that the episode that's meant to mimic Hunt for Red October has a ship going after it that's the same name as the ship it's that hunts funny. the Red October. It's Gee, an episode I wonder. meant to mimic Hunt for Red October. It's a it's a fusion of Hunt for Red October and Alien. Dude, now I just want it to be called the um. Oh shit, I just had the name too. What was the name of the ship in Alien? All right, go I've ahead and do your thing. I've seen the movie once. Really, only once. Wow. I mean, to be fair, at least you've seen it, so I don't have to. Yeah. You know. No, it's not the Sulaco. I'm not talking. That's Aliens. I want the one before Aliens. Nostromo. That's what it was. Nostromo. So yeah, now I'm now I'm just kind of sad that the Blackbird wasn't called the Nostromo because that would have made it even better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the. It's already alien from the monsters. They wanted to have yeah. all of the the ship stuff be hunt for I guess. October. I guess. I, I guess my <laughs> question here now is, why is it called Blackbird? I don't know. Like, that doesn't sound very Russian. Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe that. Maybe they just translated it. Uh, I guess that makes more sense. I guess I just would have said it in the, uh... Oh, no, it's the code name. Sorry. It's the code name. Oh, there you go. That makes more sense. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, so they all go in, and I think this is honestly really good, again, with the directing. I think there's a great a bit of cutting between the steady camera, the well-lit steady camera shots of Paul and Daniel at their little base with the little headsets watching the little body cams, the body cam footage that we get, which really helps add to the franticness as, as this uh, incursion on the sub goes on. And then the regular shots in the sub. I think it's a great blend of all of them. So you get like a really good feel of the atmosphere while also being able to actually see what's going on because especially later on when 
they start moving around a lot more. Those body cam shots, incomprehensible. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely not mad that, like, every episode doesn't have a chance to be able to use different types of camera shots and so on because duh but yeah. i really do love it when they manage to do it more than like just a couple times in a season so mm-hmm. yeah like honestly before now we haven't really gotten that many like we i remember that one that i loved which was the shot through the binoculars oh the, yeah, yeah. Uh, wasn't that game also keeper martin i think wood? might have been might have been all i remember, all i really remember is barkley wasn't it it was either martin wood or the other director that we liked which hasn't been on in a while and i know that they we've had at least a couple of episodes before where we've been able to comment on it but honestly i would just love for a few seasons where we get more than just like one episode because this shit's great like you said it, it really adds a lot to the atmosphere and so on i guess i just wish that episodes had more room for this right and it'd be worse yeah. if they forced it, because then it'd be shitty. It's like um, the movie Chronicle. That movie's yeah, good. Yeah. I actually do like it. I like Dane DeHaan. I like I like the oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I mm-hmm. hate the spider scene, but other than that, I really do like that movie. Yeah. What cracks me up... Well, you're supposed to hate the spider scene, so at least there's that. Yeah. <laughs> what cracks me up is I actually really was enjoying the movie, and I watched all the way through with a friend of mine in theaters that day, and... It was great, and I, we were talking about it, and I remember thinking, this is a good movie. I, I genuinely just like it. And then he said one thing that has forever kind of ruined it for me, which was, yeah, my only problem with it was that the girlfriend was introduced solely to add another camera angle. And then I realized how fucking right he was. <laughs> She's literally only in the movie to add another camcorder. She, uh-huh. has, she is entirely pointless to the story. Yeah. She's literally just there to add another camera angle. And I'm st- I still haven't forgiven him for pointing that out to me. <laughs> so yeah, you know, when it's forced, it's crappy. And it's not, well, not crappy, but it does detract. Mm-hmm. So I'm just really, ha- this is all just a long-winded way of saying, I'm really happy they found another episode where they could do a different kind of camera style thing. So yeah, it's, I, I love all the, the directing there. <laughs> and this is basically, I was like, this is definitely Martin Wood living out his horror movie wishes with his directing in this episode. He gets to... Just go for it. And he does a great job with it, honestly. They even have this great part where they all get in and they start looking through the sub and they don't see anything yet, but you can start to hear, like, this metal-on-metal skittering. Yeah, it's nice and creepy. You hear the replicators long before you see them. Really well-done creepiness. It's very successful with its creepy atmosphere. I honestly just like how this episode was made. Like, absolutely, construction alone was good, and then they follow through on pretty much everything. Uh, to the point where, again, supposedly there are red markers all over this submarine set. I didn't see a single damn one because I, I, I was looking for them because I kept getting distracted by good camera work, good this, good that. Even when they, like, purposely didn't say a damn thing about the guy who's replacing daniel on the team yeah i was like oh hey look it's non-daniel oh look non-daniel's dead that makes sense (laughs) yeah of course (laughs) like they didn't even bother naming the red shirt out loud it's great because again bringing up those camera angles they used that to show not tell because i kept wondering who's this new guy and then the camera one of the little feeds shows very clearly baker a few times And that's how I know that the red shirt was named Baker. And it's wonderful. That's so cool. That's all I need. And that's that's this episode in a nutshell is just a lot of great details wound together to make one big great detail. Nice strong opening to this season. Strong opening as hell. I even like the ending of this episode, Mel. This episode is good. It's good. But yeah, so they're all like... And once again, we notice because when they do actually finally see the replicators, we're back to seeing a whole bunch of them. And once again, so I thought it was interesting in um, the opening of this episode where that replicator immediately went on the attack against the human. 
mm-hmm. where we haven't really seen that up until now. No. Like, when they went through Thor's ship, there were plenty of times where they were walking right past replicators. They're like they the board. reacting to them at all. Because of the fact that when they're focused on replicating, they don't care. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's and one of my favorites. I was just going to say, I think it's great that we're actually very, without them having to say it out loud, we're getting this visual representation of how this species behaves. When they're focused on replicating, that is the biggest thing. Yeah. That is what they are focused on. But that first singular replicator was alone and was wildly outnumbered so he had to be on attack basis Hell from yeah. the beginning which is how why do you replicate entire if you have enemies sub. yeah yeah it makes complete sense with their behavior and i like it i like that they it's very clear and easy to read so you remember how last episode i was talking about how it was it was funny to me that i hadn't ever really in my mind had a constant comparison going on about how the replicators are basically just the borg yeah what I love about this episode is that it really turns it on its ear a little. Uh, I cut, That sounded really uh, oxymoronic because it was. But it, it does. It kind of turns my comparison on its ear a little. Because the Borg, like the Replicators, will ignore you at certain circumstances and will attack you on others. The whole thing about the Borg is they want to add and get better. They, they, their whole thing is they're constantly in the pursuit of perfection. So yeah. their literal aim is at all times to improve. And in their mind, it's through the assessment and then stealing of technological and biological uniqueness because the more you yeah. can adopt mm-hmm. in the better you can get the replicators are great because they're written in such a way that they're not that whatsoever they definitely assimilate because they take what they want and they'll use it to their advantage and at the same time will ignore inferior technological or biological yeah. things however they'll attack when they need to i.e when they're on their own or they need resources to assimilate however they have no interest in incorporating your shit into theirs for their own perfection they just use what they have so they can get to another place to get better shit yeah they don't care about making a big collection out of crap they just want only the best and they'll Mm -hmm. they'll kind of like shed like a like a hermit crab as it grows they'll shed previous shells and shit as they go along and if they find something good they're not going to compromise it for something crappier yeah I love how they're actually separate, whole, and very much distinct from the Borg in that kind of aspect. And I really applaud the shit out of the writer for being able to establish when they attack, when they don't attack, in such a way that you could definitely see a ton of similarities between them and the Borg from a show that's also going on at the same time as this show Mm -hmm. on the air. Or multiple shows in that series, anyway. Yeah. All the different Star Treks at that point. Um, This was going on, and this is about 2000 now, so I'm guessing Voyager... This sounds like it would have been the era of Voyager. So this would have definitely been going on in a very (laughs) Borg-heavy show, because Voyager takes place in the Delta Quadrant, which is literally the home base of the Borg. Mm -hmm. And these guys went, okay, let's avoid all of that. Yeah. (laughs) And they did! To the point where years and years and years later, I'm going, wow, these guys really are like the Borg. Huh, how did I never really how did I never really make this such a thing before? How am I not constantly talking about how Stargate ripped off Star Trek in this aspect? It's because they fucking didn't. It's awesome. Yeah, there's a difference between rip off and inspired. Inspired by, by homage. Also it brings to mind yeah. that, you know, that philosophical debate of um you have two people on opposite ends of the world. They both independently invent something. One person invents it five minutes before the other. Does that mean the second person didn't invent it? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. 
I'm of the opinion, no, it does not mean they didn't invent it. So yeah. no, if, if it's still independent creation, then it doesn't matter if somebody else has already done it or not. If you yourself are still independently creating it. It may not be as useful, it may not be as groundbreaking, but it doesn't fucking matter because that's not what we're talking about. Nope. With, when it comes to the replicators versus the Borg, they are a very much an independent creation. I do get that feeling. Yeah. So I, yeah, it's it's all really good. <laughs> I, I, I have only praise for this episode. It's funny. Even Absolutely. when I was dissing it for, so... like, you know, messing up little details, I just don't care. Yeah. I, uh, when you're doing, like, a long-running show that's got 20-plus episodes a season, there's gonna be little set-dressing mistakes, and there's there's an obvious love for what they're making. But yeah, uh, talking about how well the replicators are written and portrayed in this episode, though... While they're looking through the sub, Jack notes that these replicators are a different color. And Paul goes, oh, is this some sort of camouflage? And I immediately went, no, it's because they're eating from the submarine and not an Asgard ship, obviously. Thank you. God, I love it when the uh, writers are convinced the audience doesn't get it. To be fair, so I, just, I literally, as I'm saying, I remember it's after a hiatus, and when it was originally written, it had been a few They're months. They're reminding people. Yeah, yeah, so it was a reminder. Because what we'll get is, so right now, Daniel just kind of shrugs at Paul, um, but later on, we will get exactly what I said. They're a different color because they ate from the submarine and they're made out of something different. Like, they, they pointed out, but they also still managed to say all this without talking down to the audience like they are idiots. They're just kind of going, yeah, no. These are, because they're made from the sub, they're made of different materials, blah, blah, blah. And what's great is that it's because of, and especially having Paul be the one to bring it up, like, he's not deeply involved with Stargate. If anyone's going to ask a stupid question, it should be him, you know? <laughs> is he literally just, like, officially the liaison? Because that's basically what he is, right? Yeah, he's their okay. liaison now. Okay. I just wanted to make sure, because otherwise, the, like, what was he here for? He's the um, friendly liaison. Well, it's like, I'm literally wondering what his official capacity role is. <laughs> I think it's literally he's a liaison between the Pentagon and That and would make sense. I just couldn't remember if they'd actually said it on screen or not. I believe they did. Okay, I cool. believe it's it's specifically that. But yeah, so then they get into, they get to the original little missile silo that the first guy stowed in on, and they see what is definitely a fucking queen, and it looks horrific it looks like a giant like ant head the way it's like curled up on itself oh it i can't like unsee a that now metallic ant head oh, i can't unsee that i kind of thought of it okay this doesn't track at all because the shape wasn't <laughs> right but honestly you know those stealth planes yeah it looked kind of like a fat reject one of those made out of silver metal oh. it looked kind of like the cia's first attempt yeah i like i the moment i saw it i was just like that is a giant bug no head. yours is better i'm just sad to have heard it because now i can't unsee that Ugh. right <laughs> but it's so funny because when i first saw it i was like oh because the way it first looks it looks like they're like building it from the head down and i was like that's weird <laughs> but then i realized no it's just curled up <laughs> Yeah. They just made it look like a bug head because obviously the whole theme of these this alien species is bugs. Yeah, so they bees. were just matching that theme. Yeah. See, that's where it's once again similar to the Borg, although that one's more of a coincidence thing because tons of things in sci-fi like to do hive mind. So oh, yeah, the yeah. Borg does that's not have the monopoly in that. It does not no, have Ender's the, uh, Game. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Bugs in nature are hive minded uh -huh. often. And what, bees. Uh, what is that? Starship Troopers also? <laughs> it's a very well-known concept. That's not my qu that's not my problem whatsoever. I don't even think I have a problem with it. It's just that I, uh, 
it makes me laugh whenever somebody's like, holy crap, that must be the queen. It's like, no fucking <laughs> shit, guys. It's a hive. <laughs> There's always going to be a queen. <laughs> right. But yeah, um, so they're like, oh, well, that's definitely a queen. And yeah, this is where I made the note about the replicators are more interested in replicating unless they feel threatened. <laughs> and then I made that note because right at that moment, red shirt <laughs> baker got a little panicky about one of the replicators skittering a little too close to him and shot it. And that was enough to get them violent. <laughs> You've Have you seen the movie Star Trek First Contact? Uh, yes. Whenever I see these kinds of scenes, all I think is, you should have watched the movie. Because there's a great scene where she's freaking out going, oh my god, they're gonna kill us. And he's like, nah, they, they, they couldn't give a shit about us. They have other stuff to do, they have enough resources, and we're inferior. And then when yeah. he needs his, their attention five seconds later, he turns around and literally shoots his phaser directly into one of their uh, data hubs. Yeah. And they're just like, they and literally, as one, turn around and all their uh -huh. eye lasers turn on. And it's like, and I love her look. She gives him this look of like, really? Like, are you, <laughs> why? Just fucking why? So I love these scenes where you have an idiot do that, where it's like, they're leaving you alone. They are leaving yeah. you the fuck alone. I know, I'm pretty sure, I don't know because I've never been in this situation. I'm pretty sure soldiers are probably taught, if you think there might be something about to hurt you, it's better to hurt it first. Yeah. Because an effective soldier is a, is a soldier that can move <laughs> and be a soldier. So maybe it's that they're taught to be a little skitter happy, but mostly I just think this guy's an idiot. Yeah, which is fine because he gets killed. <laughs> Red shirt Baker. <laughs> Red shirt Baker is down. And then, so we see things going a little bad in there. And this is where we get a lot of the body cam shots. So we get a lot of frantic action moving. Uh, Baker's cam goes out because he's fucking dead. And then we cut to like... Daniel and Paul just kind of watching all this helplessly in the base because they can't do anything from where they're at. It's good. It's good framing. Oh, yeah. It's very good framing. Um, but we go from that franticness up to Thor being a little nerd with Sam. And I love <laughs> the way he describes human guns. He is such a little nerd. Love him to death. Love him. <laughs> so it's okay. It's not that I don't know if the connection between bullets and gunpowder and rocketry i'm obviously painfully aware of their relationship yeah it's just never not funny to me when i have to be forcibly reminded of it in a weird capacity because when <laughs> i was really really young my parents got me the book the rocket boys and i got super fucking into rocketry and i still yeah. am i mean I've, I've, I've told you about this i still build yeah. rockets and i make real rocket candy by the way which is the fuel that is used to make them go off and if you don't know rocket boys it's the book that the movie october sky was based on uh-huh. And they have a scene where they make uh, rocket candy. When you make your own ro uh, rocket candy, you have to learn what goes into all that shit. And when he was yeah. listing off all the shit that goes into a gun, I'm just looking going like, you've literally got a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> like, it always just cracks me the hell up. I'm like, wait, wow, they really are so fucking similar. <laughs> like, it's just, it's always fun. I just, I always get really excited because I well, used to remember <laughs> making concoctions of like saltpeter I mean... and nitrates and all that shit. And you're basically making a pipe bomb for fun. <laughs> Oh, sort of, yeah, okay, I'm gonna, I just called Thor a nerd, but I'm gonna do a little uh, nerd, nerd out yourself? thing here, because you said saltpeter. Saltpeter in Final Fantasy XIV is one of the ingredients to make black fire sand, which is how you make guns. There you go, <laughs> see, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's fun. But yeah, I just, I really loved him describing guns, because he, he tries to explain, like, what a replicator's made out of, and Sam's like, 
You're using terms I don't know what they mean. I, you trying to explain in your language what a replicator is to me, I can't help you. I don't know what a Karen is. I don't know what a Karen is. The Karen Act hasn't been passed yet. I don't know what a Karen is. Sorry, that just cracked me up because of the world we live in today. Um, yeah, I know. That, no. As soon as I said Karen, I'm like, I probably said the wrong thing, but it sounds hilarious. It sounds great. No, I love it. No, but uh, what kills me is how much I actually love this scene because it really drives home, but again, in a more show-not-tell kind of way. between the humans and... Exactly how the sophisticated the Asgard are. They're so accidentally over-sophisticated that they can't even imagine trying to explain this shit to her in words she can understand. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, because she basically, she's like, okay, let's break this down even smaller. And she's just like, they are made up of parts. And, you know, like, she just, like, without any of the science in it, she just goes down to what they do. And by doing that, she manages to, like, come up with some answers, you know? And, like, Thor can't even approach it that way because of their difference in their races and everything. What I love about that is, as I've mentioned to you before, one of my favorite fucking scenes in Farscape... is uh, a scene where there's such a massive communication barrier between John and an alien that it takes them a while to realize that the way it's communicating is with math, prime numbers specifically. Mm -hmm. That's something used a lot, and especially in sci-fi, is the, uh, the basic understanding the universal, language, universal math. language is yeah. math. They don't do that here. I love it. Because they're already speaking the same language, and so they don't go for like the super easy layman's terms way of you know breaking it down. Mm -hmm. She does it slightly different. She doesn't break it down to like prime numbers math shit, because again, they're not trying to do a base translation. She breaks it down to how the things interact. Exactly, which is still base level shit. Actually, I just now I'm saying that I'm remembering Stargate also did the prime numbers thing, that they did that in the Torment of Tantalus. Well, I, well, Torment of Tantalus wasn't prime numbers, it was elements. Oh, elements, that's what it was. That's what it was. I just remember bringing up the prime numbers thing there too. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so yeah, it, it was it's, elements. In, yeah, in so Tormund kudos to Stargate then for continuing even more, which is they already once avoided using the math thing, which again, I'm not, I'm not against it when they do use the math oh, thing, yeah. because the math thing is awesome. It really is. Yeah. It's just great that they're like able to come up with parallel, but wholly unique. Yes, exactly. It's the same thing, but different. And I adore mm -hmm. it because it just shows that a writer's able to continue to just be slightly original while also not being original. Because at this day and age, I think we're all just pretty much resigned to the fact that nothing's actually wholly original anymore mm -hmm. and whatever but now we can do permit permeations in there uh, but I, I also love this scene outside of thor being a little nerd that he he talks about how a like how easily they can replicate just from pieces and you see this moment where sam's like can one replicate from say just two pieces and he's like no it needs several to replicate and she's like oh thank god because <laughs> she's thinking of the two pieces of replicator she has at home in her lab she's going do i need to rush home and stop a replicator infestation meanwhile back home in her fridge rattle 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 yeah <laughs> i just love it because again it's something where we don't she never actually says it out loud but you can see just in her face and the tone of voice she asked the question in that she suddenly went oh fuck no <laughs> Which is also funny because later on, I'm going to skip a tiny bit ahead. It's only a tiny bit ahead, but later on, they're going to pull a piece of a replicator out of Teal'c. And I was like, is three enough to replicate? <laughs> yeah, but I get those guys within uh, close enough proximity. 
I was genuinely, because I didn't remember enough of this episode to know. I was like, is that where this <laughs> next problem's gonna be? And so she's like, oh, thank God, two pieces is enough to be dangerous. But then they bring home this third piece. All of a sudden, all the magnets come together. Knowing. Yes. Uh, but they use it for a different thing entirely, which is still great, you know? <laughs> Huh, but yeah, so they have that whole thing with, uh, she's, she's with Thor, and then they're having that conversation back on, yeah, okay, yeah, so this is, it's literally jumping to the next scene. Back on Earth, um, Jack is like, okay, we're blowing up that ship. <laughs> like, he gets out and he's like, we're blowing it up. I know you're gonna have problems explaining this to the Russians, but I don't fucking care you're blowing that ship up. Only in a and, TV show can a United States Air Force Colonel shrug yeah. off detonating a Russian torp uh, Russian submarine in U.S. Yes. waters. I know only on a TV <laughs> show. But yeah, so they're fishing a little piece of a replicator out of Teal'c's back, and this is where I was like, "Can three make it a replicate?" But actually, the reason they fish it out is because they're like. They're like, oh yeah, it's different, definitely a different color. And I guess they just give it to Daniel because <laughs> he's the only nerd here now since Sam's up with Thor. But that's, we're just, you know, we're getting set up for what's going to happen next. Uh, we go back up to Thor and Sam and this is where, <laughs> where Sam's like, I'm a little hungry. And Thor brings out what looks like little like little fucking building blocks. I love this scene. I was talking about it last episode. Is I love yes. it. <laughs> I I particularly prefer enjoy the, the, the yellow ones. And she's like, oh okay. She picks it up, bites into it, and immediately spits it out. The moment you're like, oh no, like, that doesn't taste like yellow laffy taffy. You would like eating anything he likes. You're completely different. <laughs> That's what kills me here. Is okay. So when he beamed food for her. When I first saw this, I actually remember thinking this as a kid. It was when she ate it and went, oh my god, yuck. I was like, wait, 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 wait. So that was his food? He gave her Asgardian food. Yeah. Does that mean the Asgards know enough about human anatomy to be able to say, like, which types of their food is, you know, also consumable? Or does that mean they made, like, an approximation of human food that looked enough like his own that that's why he made that comment? I would assume... I, okay, I, I think it's a combination of both. They knew the ancients from the beginning. Right. Which means they probably, well, no, they don't probably, because they, they, they're protecting the, that one, I can't remember the name of the planet, the, the, the Viking oh, planet. Oh, Cinder, Simmer, Cinder, Cinderman. Samaria? Samaria, there we go. <laughs> there we go. I needed the start and then I could go from there. But yeah, so they're familiar at least with the older blueprint of humans so they probably know that at least the older blueprint of humans can stomach this whether they enjoy it or not they can probably stomach it i'm not disagreeing uh, and also this episode hasn't happened yet so there's literally no way i could use this to disagree <laughs> the only reason why i'm saying it is just because i know that there's the ancient virus that humans can't be infected by so that does show that there's a massive difference on their genome level to a certain degree <laughs> so like oh no that's what i'm saying totally... i think it's a little bit of both yeah. i think they have like that familiarity with the older human uh blueprint and they're making assumptions. Yes, yes. Which no, that I honestly buy, considering we know, you and I know, that they're cloning at this point. They probably don't think about the concept of, like, that genome really evolving over time. But yeah, so we find out that the replicators have taken over the other Asgard ships and are flying them. Which is a preview to what's going to happen uh, down on Earth in a little bit when the replicators start driving the submarine. <laughs> 
Don't even ask me how they did that. It's so funny to me. I'm just imagining them all just like hooking their little spider legs into like the control panels and just going like. I know it's more to do with like getting into the programming programming of the ship and stuff. But it's so funny to imagine. Oh yeah. No, I prefer to imagine them doing it the analog way. But yeah, so we know that like things are becoming especially desperate with Thor's thing. Like it seems like there's no solution at this point. Because especially when he showed Sam the O'Neill, it's still being built. Yeah. It's not done yet. Yeah, there are only five ships they have left are currently engaging three replicator ships that are on their way to that planet. Yeah, and this is the scene where we find out, well, they're no longer currently engaging them. They've been taken over. Well, they're gone now. No more communication. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oops. <laughs> so, uh, back on Earth, right when they're planning to blow up the sub, Daniel tells Paul to stop because he's looking at the little piece of replicator that they fished out of Teal. And... Paul's like, why? And he's like, well, don't you see this is corroded? And they're like, what does that mean? And he's like, this is shitty metal. This is made out of our shitty submarine metal. It's very delicate. It's not, it it wouldn't survive in the water. And he's like, doesn't that mean I should blow up the sub? Because if I blow up the sub, it'll definitely kill all of them. He's like, yeah, except for the original. That one will survive. And then we'll have a hard time finding it. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be problematic. Yeah, so he's basically like, we have to kill the queen. And then you can blow up the ship. (laughs) But the queen has to get killed by us personally first. We have to know what has happened. Or we have no promise that this will not keep happening. You know? Yeah, no, that part I like a lot because that's actually much more unique to like the replicators versus like for example if i were yeah, comparing them to the board because this is what this is um really ha- hitting home with the bee analogy because that's what beehives do if the queen gets sick or dies or if for some reason the bees decide they don't like the queen anymore because sometimes <laughs> yeah. that also happens yes. they'll sometimes just straight up murder her <laughs> yes they will and then literally any female drone can become the next queen all they got to do is feed her uh, royal jelly i think and then she grows up to be the next queen. So I really like this because it's kind of like that, where the replicators, anybody can become the new queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So they've got this plan where they're like, okay. And they're like, well, if we try to go in and kill the queen, they're going to get mad at us. And they're like, well, they they get attracted by power bursts, yeah? So why don't we create a distraction higher up in the tank? Tank? Sub. We create a little, a little portable power burst that will lure them away from the queen, and then we go kill the queen. So that's their plan. And then they also know that they're thinking ahead to the fact that there are little escape pods that they could get out in, um, in the submarine. You couldn't pay me. First off, you couldn't pay me to get into a submarine. Like, yeah, I've, same, right? I haven't been on a submarine. Those are so cramped. Yeah, yeah I, last, the last time I was on a sub, I was about five to six inches shorter, and <laughs> I was just literally smaller as a tinier human. I haven't been mm-hmm. on a sub as an adult, and I have exactly zero impulse to because no. the only reason why I'm thinking I have positive memories of being on a sub is because I was too tiny to be fully claustrophobic. Having said yeah. that, you could not fucking pay me to get into a submarine's escape pod. No, God, no. <laughs> that must be like, you know, like in Star Trek, how they bury you in space in a, tor- in a, uh, a quantum torpedo shell casing? Yeah. Which is basically just a coffin? Yeah. I'm imagining it's a great deal smaller. And I just, I, 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 no. No, no. No. Would Teal'c even fit? 
Honestly, with all those muscles, I have, you know what, Mel, you bring up an interesting point. I don't think I've ever seen a shredded or ripped or bulky submariner. <laughs> I think they're all well, aren't they specifically supposed frame. to be smaller? Yeah. Like they, is, isn't it kind of like with astronauts where you can't be Too, a certain size? Yeah, maybe. It must be. I, I would imagine it is. Which makes it further stupid that they don't let women serve on submarines. To quote I one know, sexist motherfucker. like the perfect, the perfect <sighs> I, I asked a Navy guy once who was giving tours when I was a kid. I asked him, why not? Why can't there be women submariners? And his exact fucking words were, because then you'd come back to port with a lot of, a lot more little submariners. And that it's sounds like, like a man problem, exactly. not a woman problem. I love how their concept was, Make we can't have women because women. everyone will get laid. And it's like, okay, first off, you're supposing that none of these people are fucking professionals who can control themselves. Second, fucking condoms exist. You know, uh, you want to know where this assumption is coming from, though? Sexism? It's coming from, well, yeah, that, partly that. But I think definitely a lot of it is coming from um, our uh, military's history of when, like, like navy when soldiers were out oh yeah they were the huge carriers or vd yeah 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 that no. carelessness it's like ingrained in these the assumptions now yeah. it, honestly some of that has some truth to it which is yeah these men these young men really were very unruly and did create mm -hmm. a lot of problems because there's this really bullshit mentality in life called boys will be boys Yep. Where mm -hmm. why discipline mm -hmm. them or ask them to you know modify their behavior to a socially acceptable manner when you can just let them get away with it because they have dicks. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you fucking logic. <laughs> so yeah, really cracks me up that submarines aren't filled with women since we are technically predisposed towards being smaller. I have met plenty of women that defy that. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, no. That's mostly just because I have a thing against dating women who are shorter than me. I am tall and I hate feeling like the Jolly Green Giant, so I had a thing about only dating women who were taller than me as much as I possibly could. Fair enough. But so, yeah, with all that in mind, submarines should really be filled with women. Just saying. Yeah, uh, and if men can't be trusted, fill it with only women. That's the military-industrial complex for you. Oh, I've heard that one in a while. Hello, old friend. Aww. Hello, okay, darkness, um, my old friend. Yeah, that's... <laughs> so yeah, they... Okay, yeah, so they make the plan to make the power burst to distract the drones from the queen. While they're about to head out to this... Oh, actually, as soon as they get on the sub... They get notification that the sub's starting to drive itself. <laughs> and they're like, what the hell? What timing? What luck? And that's where Daniel's like, are they going to be able to get out afterwards safely? And Paul's like, there's escape hatches. They can use those. <laughs> okay, wait, so that actually begs the question. He did say escape hatch. Does that mean they don't have escape pods? So much as you'd hope to God your submarine is close enough to the surface that you could just haul ass out. Maybe they did say. Maybe they did say. Well, that's what I. I, I need remember. to look this up later because now I want to yeah. know if I'm gonna have to. Okay, so I'm gonna attach a link later when I look this up because yeah. I actually am curious. Attach a link when you find out. <laughs> yeah, because I want to know now if if it's like if you're at a certain depth if you're just fucked. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah. So then we cut up to space, where um, Sam's basically quizzing. Thor more on how the replicators work with their technology, and Thor's explaining that, like, with the replicators taking over their ships, their ships can only go so fast because they need some of the power to continue to replicate. So they can't, like, they can't go as fast as Thor's ships normally could 
Um, and if they went into, like, warp speed or whatever, they would have, like, no protection. Because they wouldn't have the power to do that. Right. And when she points it out, it's like, it still wouldn't matter. You don't have anything that can, like... They know how to counteract our technology, but in the time since we got involved with them, they've collected other technology that we don't know how to counteract. Which, I know there's a lot of, like, the Borg stuff. There's definitely the alien thing. Um, but I also got some weird, like feelings of like the Animorphs yeah. with the Yerks and the Andalites because there was the whole thing with their story where the Andalites found the Yerks first and introduced them to these concepts and then the Yerks went on and found their own stuff and suddenly became a big threat to them. It's very similar. <laughs> Especially with, like, the personalities. I got that feeling with that conversation especially. With the whole thing where the uh, replicators know how to counteract Asgard technology, but the Asgards don't know how to counteract the technology the uh, replicators got a hold of that wasn't theirs. And so, of course, we need humans to help solve it. Hey, I love it. I love how much humans get used in various sci-fi shows and movies as the, um... Actually, just various media in general, humans get used as the, the the missing link kind of thing. Yeah. And I like that because, honestly, yeah, that would track for us. I don't consider us to be all that great as a species. <laughs> I think but we're, we're very adaptive. pretty shitty and squishy, but we can be adaptive. So I feel like we would not mm -hmm. be the most primitive shitty race that another alien species could come across, but we definitely wouldn't be the best. But we'd have a nice, yeah. we'd occupy that lovely middle ground where we, where we, where we would actually still be useful. It shows a nice awareness yeah. <laughs> to use us like that. Yeah. Uh, so Sam tells Thor her plan, which is to basically lure all... She's like, okay, what's the biggest, highest... Because this is where you're thinking about how you're like... How the replicators are have a distinctly different approach than the Borg. Where they want the most technologically advanced materials. Only. That is their goal. Yeah. That is what they want. And so she's like, okay... What is your highest tech thing? And he's like, the O'Neill that's being built right now. And she's like, okay, what if we lure them all out to that and then blow it up? See, this part is where they get a little more similar to Borg, but still unique. Yeah. And he's like, uh, that's our only hope, that ship. And if your plan doesn't work, we are boned. And she's like, you're boned either way. <laughs> I do you don't like have how time she says to that. Wait for them to get to you. <laughs> that's my favorite part is how many times I'll be talking, like I'll be watching, you know, stuff like this, and the character will say, well, then we'll be giving, you know, like for when he says. Major Carter, you are proposing that we destroy our only hope. And she goes, yeah, because it won't be useful to you if it's not finished. <laughs> like, yeah, duh. Yeah, exactly. And I love yeah. this because it's really a great concept of duh, which obviously escapes them for all the reasons they've already mentioned. But it really amuses the fuck out of me, the basic logic of it is, which is, and I, I kept like screaming at the screen, which is like, and what's your plan, motherfucker? Well, what's nice about the Asgard, or at least Thor, since we haven't really spoken to any of the other Asgard yet, um, is that while they are like this advanced, not really good at adaptive thinking, all that kind of stuff, at least Thor actually listens. Like he will like point out like why in his mind this is a bad plan. But, like, he will listen when she explains why it is their only option, you know? And he goes with it. I would never, I would never admit that I prefer a different Asgard to Thor. But if I had to admit that I like a certain Asgard more than Thor, it would be Hermiod, because he's the one who does all the angry muttering, and I adore yeah. him. <laughs> of course you would like that one the most. He is the Mallory Archer of Asgard, and I adore him. Uh... 
it's every interaction with him where he's just like pissy eyed and then you can just hear him in the background just going like and it's like dude mood you are my mood i love you the word's too refined for that he's too elegant yeah 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 so so yeah i and i love the parallel of um, Sam convincing Thor that their only solution is to lure all of the replicators to one ship and blow it up. While on Earth, they manage to kill the queen in the sub. But then the replicators know enough and they're like, what the fuck did you just do, you motherfuckers? And they, like, replicate over the exit to the lower the lower level like they they do like little connective build a blocks to like steal over it and jack's like uh and he shoots it out and then they immediately build over it again he's like okay that's a problem honestly not really because i so here's the thing the show was it's not their fault that the vfx was at a certain way and so on but the delay between the shot the hole being yeah. shot out and the regeneration is... You would have had enough time. If, if Granted, they're not, there's nothing to say that they wouldn't, like, slice through a foot or something if it was still being, you know, hauled through that hole. Mm-hmm. But consider how long it took. You could easily have somebody... Granted, it was still hurt. But you have somebody yeah, relatively yeah. close holding the gun <laughs> relatively close. Yeah, you might get some buckshot on you or something. But then you jump through the hole real fast and then repeat a few times. I mean, I think there's also the... the conversation of they're probably waiting on the other side to tear you to ribbons okay yeah there's probably that too but my whole thing here is the semantics (laughs) but yeah so the parallel is that sam's got thor to lure all of the replicators to the o'neill and blow it up with them on it and at this point jack has to you know yell to paul and daniel who are still watching safely at sgc and go blow it up like you gotta blow it up with us on it (laughs) Jack's just going episode to episode trying to commit suicide. Right. But what I actually really like about this is that you actually see Paul wait to send the order until Daniel agrees to it. Yeah. I like that. Because he's like, this is your team. And it's not at, like, the end yet. You know, like, right. there's st- like I'm sure if it came down to, like, if I don't blow this up, then they will get out and be a problem. Right. You know? Like, he would do his but job. Yeah. But he's waiting for Daniel to deal with it himself you know yeah and what really like sends daniel to fine do it is that jack says i don't want to get eaten alive by these things i would rather be blown up (laughs) i mean so daniel's like yeah so daniel's like okay fine do it and paul sends the order and the replicators try and do evasive maneuvers and so this is another one of those things where it's all about the timing so up on up in space they blow up the the, sh- the O'Neill, and they get enough breathing room that by the time down on Earth, the missile hits the, the sub, Thor can now safely teleport everyone out. <laughs> and it's so funny because, like, Daniel's, like, he hates it, but he can't, like, look away. I love that detail about Daniel, though, is that when he, he doesn't, they're all looking away, and he's committed to watching his friends die exactly. because he'll, he's he will gonna be there it. with them. Until Which is the why last he's moment. the one who sees Jack get teleported out. And what I also love about this scene is he's like, they're okay, they're okay. And Paul, like, looks back like, what? <laughs> and obviously by then, the, the missile has gone off and, like, you can't see anything. So right. Daniel's the only one who saw them get teleported up. And then Daniel has lost the word Asgard. Like, he's so excited that they're like, alive that he's just, like, they're and he's like, just up. pointing up at the, the ceiling. Just like, they're, they... <laughs> They've gone so- to heaven. God took them. <laughs> they're dead. <laughs> I mean, 
juices. It was so good. I do like how I just realized it's a bit of a Valhalla reference right there. Yeah. Because they are carried up away yeah. during a, what would have been a very noble death. Because if you die True, in battle yeah, in Norse mythology, great. you get taken to Valhalla. So I really like how the Asgard yeah. come in to take them out of their glorious death. Oh, uh, I just love... I just love how he just loses all coherence. The linguist on the team is so relieved that he didn't have to be the one who said, yeah, kill them. By the way, can we just take a moment that, to- like, he's lost words. Can we just take one moment, though, to reflect on something about Daniel? As we mentioned uh, previously before, uh, he once told them he'd watch their back, and the second that he had the opportunity, <laughs> ran off to do his own thing. I'm gonna point out here that he has no problem being with them until the last moment when he himself is not in mortal danger. <laughs> if he was on that sub, he would have come up with a way for them to get out without Thor saving them. I just love it. The guy fucks off whenever he wants, whenever it's mortal danger for himself. But as soon as it's just them, he has no problem being there for them until the end. I obviously don't mean that 100%, yeah. but it does crack me up. No, it's great. It's, it's amazing. So Jack and Teal get teleported up with Sam, um, and she tells Jack that they blew up a ship named after him. <laughs> I do love it. Yeah, and there was a ship called the O'Neill. Oh, there was. The O'Neill. Yeah, we blew it up. Buffs his nails almost, you know, he's doing like his whole little preening <laughs> yeah, thing as preening, he's strutting yeah. his stuff. That's right. I inspire ships named after me. What was that? We blew it up. You destroyed it? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> But then I love that, that again, like, I, uh, a while ago you said that this episode even ends great because basically Jack is so desperate to have someone go fishing with him that at this point he starts inviting Thor. <laughs> He's like, Thor, you want to go fishing? <laughs> and I love that Thor's only response isn't something verbal. Just in the middle of Jack describing how big the fish get at his lake, Thor teleports them down. <laughs> Honestly, it's a great ending. It's a great ending. It's a great ending. It's a great rap. It's not even that hasty, in, in so far as they all are, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, leftover trivia time. Um, okay, here we go. The submarine was a Russian Foxtrot class. Okay, why was it called Los Angeles class then? Or the Dallas was. Why are some called Los Angeles types and others called Foxtrot? One of those is heavily Which military ones? and one of those is a city. I don't know, man. Anyway, Maybe. it's a Foxtrot <laughs> class. I guess it also is American versus Russian. If I can read, it does say Russian yeah. Foxtrot. But it's just funny to me that we didn't do that. Like, that's just bizarre. Anywho. Foxtrot class number B-39. It had been decommissioned in 1994 and was stored in Vancouver from 1996 till 2002 and officially became an exhibit of the Maritime Museum of San Diego in 05. Oh, shit, I've been on it then. Oh, is that the one you were on? <laughs> no, but that is one of the ones I have been on. I have a weird thing with, <laughs> nice. of, uh, we had a weird, weird thing with the Navy when I was a kid, so we used to go around doing that kind of shit. No, I, the one I went on was, um, uh, I used to live in Portland, Oregon, and there's a museum there called OMSI, which, to this day, is the best fucking place on earth. I do not care what anyone else has to say. That place is rad as shit. And I still love it. Anyway, one of their things was they have a submarine there. That's where that sexist motherfucker was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Omzi's uh, submarine was pretty fucking cool when I was a kid. But da 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 
Okay, here we go. The other Asgard that appears on the screen behind Carter when they're talking about, like, I don't know what a ketone is or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he's just repeating the exact same lines in Asgard as said between two Asgard in the fifth race. <laughs> Why not, right? Well, I think that's actually on purpose that it's he's just repeating a phrase because that when that happens, that's when they find out that the replicators have taken over. So... It's suggested that it's the replicators trying to like fake a message, but they can only do so much. Maybe I don't know. I just think it was. I just think it was recycling because no one's gonna notice. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure like the actual phrase was recycled, but the fact that he was just repeating the same thing over and over again was a point of the fact that the replicators had taken over and it wasn't a coherent message anymore. Oh no, different different one. The one I'm behind um Carter that I'm talking about is when it's just there's a random dude that's just like saying shit next to the diagrams of the ships and everything behind her oh yeah okay i'm thinking of okay yeah yeah but yes yeah, so that's that um this one was kind of specified in the other note but this one has different details which is mm-hmm. major davis informs daniel that the dallas is standing by the dallas of course was the actual sub is an actual submarine in real life it's an la class i'm over that why the same diversity <laughs> i'm over um it's a nuclear powered fast attack submarine is there such a thing as a slow attack submarine? Uh, that'd be funny. It is notable notable in that it was featured in the Tom Clancy novel. Blah 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 blah. The Dallas was it was here we go. It was launched on April twenty eighth, nineteen seventy nine. That's actually pretty old. And it was decommissioned by the Navy on April fourth, twenty eighteen. Dang. Making her one of the longest active running submarines in U.S. naval history. As of January twenty nineteen, been built well. Yeah, there we go. As of 2019, mm-hmm. Dallas is docked in a mothball fleet, though there are plans to make the Dallas a museum ship if and when funds can be re- raised to do so. So I might get to go to yet another submarine someday. Nice. Uh, introduction to the blonde soul patch. You don't say. Uh, here we go. The ship beside yeah. the submarine is a Russian Sovremini class destroyer. Although the hull number 43 is digitally altered, the profile suggests it could be fo- uh, stock footage of the... Why are you giving these names, man? <laughs> best trash knee. It's literally oh. called best trash knee. It has trash <laughs> in it. <laughs> best trash knee, which has the uh, number four three four on the outside. So hmm. looks like they just used that. Da, da, da. We return this season back to the opener that isn't as annoying. And yes, okay, that's that pages. That's all the ones on that page. Here we go. This is not the last time a ship is named after a member of SG One. In New Order Part Two, is revealed that Shore's new ship. Thor's shore. Thor's new ship is the Daniel Jackson. I think that was in last episode's trivia, too. Oh, yeah. The Daniel Jackson is going to show up. Yeah. Oh, they recycle footage of Thor leaving Earth at the end of the episode. It's the same clip from Fair Game when he's pulling (laughs) off. Fair enough. Oh, I don't know what this is, but I kind of think it's funny. A clip from this episode was featured in the film Fanboys. (laughs) And this is the first Stargate SG-1 premiere to not involve the Goa Uld. Yeah, They're not even in it. No gold in it. Okay, here we go. So here's where the fun stuff comes in. Some of the goofs got me. <laughs> when Colonel Jack O'Neill and Teal'c approach the sub, you can see O'Neill from Teal'c's monitor while Teal'c is looking the noticeably the opposite direction. <laughs> I did see that one. I, a bunch of these I looked at and went back to look, and you can literally see him doing this, and the camera angle is literally like on his ass. <laughs> so it's like, nope. Uh, Thank you. This one also weirded me out. I couldn't figure out if it was designed like this or if it was a mistake. Because as Thor opens the Stargate and arrives at Stargate Command, the window into the control room is visibly jutting out of the frame. It is broken. I also noticed that. I just thought up until now I hadn't noticed that they had artistically decorated the concrete in, like, angle formation. (laughs) I just thought the window was angled. Nope, it's a fuck-up. Bum-bum-ba-dum. Uh, throughout the episode, red marker dots can be seen for actors and digital effects artists to use. 
<laughs> that are quite often Oops. used on TV and movies as a way for actors to know where to look here and stand here. And usually digital effects artists know to remove them. I, okay, obviously it's definitely an oops. Right. But I'm assuming there were so many because they had to tell the actors where all of the replicators were that they were supposed to be reacting to. Yeah. So I imagine there were a million of them. Oh, yeah, probably. So it's silly, laughable, but at least it's not nearly as bad. <clears throat> and then yeah. this one gets me. In this episode, and later over... <clears throat> my God, sorry. I can, my voice is once again going away because of all the talking. Well, we're almost yeah, done. Yeah, so it's so. good. In this episode, and later over the entire series, almost all Russian words have typos. <laughs> the torpedo tube hatch watched by Yuri and Boris has big red letters spelling out something in Cyrillic, which is a misspelling of another word in Cyrillic. In English, <laughs> it may be something like forbidden instead of forbidden. <laughs> uh, the battery station door is also mismarked. In Russian, it is named compartment for accumulators, translation in Cyrillic, not hmm. battery station. Uh, and the word battery also was written with a typo, something Cyrillic, battery with an I station instead of the proper Cyrillic. Kudos to whoever wrote this bit of trivia because they clearly know what the fuck they're talking about because they included yeah. every single one of the Cyrillic translations as well, even though I obviously have no idea how to read that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was uh, it was pretty damn cool. Look at all that. This was this was a fun episode for me trivia-wise. Oh, here we go. This one gets me. I honestly hadn't really thought about this before, but it was one thing when they were on the Beliskner because they were in like big open corridors. But these people are on a fucking submarine, right? This is a great goof. None of the team members appear even slightly phased by firing a 12-gauge shotgun in the tight confines of a submarine's True. corridors. That's wildly dangerous. <laughs> a 12-gauge, me that. neither until this. A 12-gauge has, has an extremely loud report. If a person were to fire even a single shot in a tight, confined space such as that without hearing protection, it would cause disorientation, painful ringing in the ears, and likely cause permanent damage to the eardrum after firing multiple rounds. As such, the SG team members really should have been wearing hearing protection. <laughs> I love that. That's a great one. Mm -hmm. I don't usually go for goose, but that one makes me happy, which is like, oh yeah. shit, that is right. And now that one, that one, I'm mad at myself for not catching because one of my favorite episodes of Archer is in Archer Vice. It's really just a scene where he's in a car with a Yakuza uh, head and he literally just keeps shooting his shotgun off in the car and the guy is like dying of hearing pain and he just keeps going, <laughs> I can do this all day. It sounds like peanuts to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because the tinnitus is a running joke in exactly. that. <laughs> Him always going, mop, 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 mop. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, thank you for letting me read all that off because that yeah. that I haven't had this much fun on trivia in a while. Cool. Yeah. All right. So uh, we, <laughs> Jack tried again really hard to die, but did not die. No, he did not. So no death tallies. Red, red shirt Baker died and he technically might have been considered a member of SG-1 <laughs> depending on the situation. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, okay, so like this is a real life question. I don't actually know how this shit works. So like when you have a set team with like literal set members, but you yourself are brought in as like an, I don't know, an adjunct or something mm -hmm. or like an ancillary member, are you still considered a member of SG-1? I don't think so. Okay. Are we deciding that? So any ancillary members from now on don't count unless they have like an SG-1 patch on like Vala later? Uh, yeah, I think in the case of like Vala or obviously Cameron or... Well, Cameron um, literally is Corin? military, so I think... Is it Corin? Oh, no. Corin Nemec's the actor's name. Uh, oh, Cor I, I only remember the... Jonas. Jonas. <laughs> Jonas. Jonas will count as part of SG-1 when he's on the team because he's an actual like member. If they're replacing for like... 
a mission, they're not a member. Yeah. Cool. Hey, as long as we have a, a definition down. So, so redshirt baker does not count. No. Cool. All right. Are you a Jack or are you a Daniel this week? Oh, see, I really wanted to have this be easier for me because there are <laughs> so many moments from either of them this week that really get me. I think I might have to go with Daniel for once solely because I also lose words on a regular fucking basis. And I yes. have a note here I texted you at one point where I said- um, We're recorded on that. <laughs> Both of us, actually, where we completely lose- dialogue yeah. but i really love you know extremely eloquent daniel is my favorite daniel so <laughs> yes it's just you know, so delightful they're, they're, when the linguist loses all 23 yeah. languages worth of words exactly so i think i'm gonna go with daniel really just for like the dumbest of reasons but screw it i yeah i really here's the thing there's definitely no like i'm not jack in this moment but while Jack was enjoyable in this episode, there was no, like, oh my god, yeah, that's me kind of moments for him. Yeah. Whereas there was somebody just, just the shade he gave Janet with, yeah, it's too bad Sam can't be here to rescue herself. <laughs> and just, like, shoving your way between two people when you're already in pain. And, like, d actually, no, I'm absolutely Daniel because of the, the delayed ow. Oh, there we go. Yeah. The, excuse me. Ow. Ow. <laughs> yeah, we've both done that multiple times. Yeah. We're like, we'll be talking and we'll like clearly smack our hand on something and then like we'll finish what we're saying and then we'll kind of look over and go, yep, <laughs> with our fingertips because like, oh my God, that hurts. <laughs> yep, we are both Daniel because of the losing all words <laughs> and the delayed ow. <laughs> my only, th only thing that brought me away from Daniel in that respect is, so as I have mentioned, only about, 8,010 times uh, my mother was is in the uh, medical field so uh, and mm -hmm. worked in hospitals so thanks to her I know about the concept when I, at an early age she used to tell me like oh no 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 you never have to worry about shoving through people and every time we were in a crowded place and she needed to get somewhere this woman went full RN and would go make a hole <laughs> Jesus <laughs> and people were always really startled because who the fuck does that yeah. in public as a kid, I had no shame complex. It was really awesome because it made it always worked. Uh -huh. <laughs> and now, years later, I only laugh about it in contexts like this, where it'd be very helpful. But yeah, I would have, I would have maybe run into people if I had been in the process of losing the word "hole." But why did that sentence sound worse out loud? <laughs> I'm gonna move on now. I'm Daniel. Okay. Yeah, Daniel. I'm ended on that we'll high note. Daniel. Huh. Also, I appreciate that he immediately knew what was up with the different. Um... The different build and the replicators. That was really cool. Like he was yeah. the one to give that answer. When the moment they said they're a different color, I'm like, yeah, because they were eating the sub. Come one on. is made out of Asgardian metal and one is made out of shitty earth metal. Yeah. It's it's metal. metal. It's I was literally gonna say, I was gonna say if you pull it, <laughs> you turn it over and instead of made in China, it just says made in ER. ER. <laughs> oh my god, that's gonna be that's gonna be a human's that's gonna be our place in the galaxy millennia from now is we're gonna be the place where cheap shit is made and you're gonna be like okay yeah. why did this break turns it over oh it was made on er made in er <laughs> oh, actually be made in terra then <laughs> so uh joaquin phoenix for this episode man As if there's any doubt <laughs> i want to clone myself like an asgard so i can give it four <laughs> thumbs up really freaking good I adore this episode. Oh, Robert C. Cooper just continues to impress, honestly. Oh, just great. Great episode. I would I would say, so far, 
this is their best wrap-up to a season finale. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I also think, for now, it might be their strongest premiere. Yeah, you know what? I... I, I don't think I can argue with that. I could see season seven maybe having a pretty awesome one. Maybe even eight, because if they were thinking that was going to be the end, maybe that's the one they put all their, you know, time and money into. Because season six has, you know, obviously Jonas in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Season six is where he starts. No, yeah, but does Daniel appear in the season six premiere? No. No, no. Daniel appears in episode six. So it's not till six. Yeah. Six. So, yeah, so it can't be that premiere. So it has to be seven no. or eight that I'm thinking of. There's another one that was pretty strong. I just can't remember what the episode's about, even slightly. Oh, yeah. No, it's seven. Okay, because I remember there's one season where the opener had me. Like, oh, I'm, I'm almost certain it's seven. Yeah. Because it's the one where uh, Michael Shanks was like, it was very cold. <laughs> ah, yes. It might be season seven. <laughs> yeah, I think it's season seven. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that tracks. That was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> season one, floppy puppy Daniel was great. Just something so delightful about I have so few fucks to give that I'm actively going to destroy any fucks you have as well. He's, he's, he's like a hormone-filled teenager He's a black by the hole end. of fucks at that point. He starts sucking all of them in. Isn't that just a 16-year-old boy at that point without an access to Lubriderm? I mean... It, Maybe that's just, maybe that's what happens when you fall down from ascending. You come back as an angsty teen. I could see that, you know? I could see that when you come back and you've been kind of wiped clean, that you have to kind of redo your, your development a little bit. And you gotta go yeah. through stages. And, there's, and then the teenage shitty years are a very prevalent stage in human life. I cannot stop thinking about season seven Daniel. <laughs> He's such a delight to me. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> That's it for this week. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, that's it for this week. Next week, uh, season four, episode two, The Other Side. And the summary for this episode is SG-1 responds to a cry for help from a doomed civilization, which promises to give Earthlings access to highly advanced technology in exchange for supplies that would help them defeat their enemies. That doesn't sound like a trap. <laughs> But the team soon discovers a shocking secret that may prove SG-1 is doing a lot more harm than good. Shocking. Okay. Shocking. All I care about next week is it has Renee Abishawan it. Because I will there never get over this episode. I've been I've been waiting for this one forever because uh, three or four weeks ago when I was clicking through Hulu trying to find the right episode, I accidentally clicked the wrong season. And I was scrolling going, no, this looks familiar. Why? <laughs> like, this is the wrong. <laughs> and as I was scrolling, the first thing I saw was friggin' Renee Abishawan. Which makes sense because Star go. Trek was, DS9 had just recently ended, I think, around that time. So he would have been free and clear. And I fucking adore him. I will never, <laughs> ever stop being sad that I'll never get to meet him because he did, in fact, die a little while ago. He was old, oh, though. He was old. Yeah. But now that guy, you don't even know. He is acting royalty. I'll get into it next <laughs> week. My man Odo, I love him. I've loved him since I saw him as a kid. I've loved him in every single thing I have seen or heard him in. And I will miss mm -hmm. him till the day I die. But yeah, so that's next week. <laughs> um, until then, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at ItsMelNotList or our podcast Twitter at PointOfOriginPC. You can also email us at PointOfOriginCast at gmail.com. Or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. <laughs> <laughs>